It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Today on Locked On Red Wings, finishing the week with player previews of Lucas Raymond, Michael Rasmussen, and Oli Mata. Your Locked On Red Wings, your daily podcast on the Detroit Red Wings. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back to the Locked On Red Wings podcast. We are your hosts, Brian Fisher and Scotty Bentley. I'm a podcast producer for the daily J-A-W-W-J News Radio podcast. Well, Scotty's host over at Locked On Tigers, as well as a freelance journalist for the Detroit News. And on today's episode, guys... Uh, we're going to continue with the player previews as there were no breaking news on the Red Wings side of things. No trades, uh, unlike on Wednesday, well, Tuesday, but for the Wednesday episode. So we'll continue with those player previews. We'll be doing Lucas Raymond, Michael Rasmussen, and uh, Oli Mata in this episode. Scotty, happy Friday. How are you doing? Doing well, man. Um, yeah, I, honestly, I think these are three, like all three very fascinating conversations. So I'm pretty excited to, to kind of lay out all three of these guys and, and talk about the roles on the team. A um, little rainy this week, but I, I like the little ch- the chill in the air. I, uh, I enjoy it. So, you know, fall around the corner, football around the corner, hockey around the corner, basketball around the corner. We're heading into a good time of year for, uh, for sports. Um, yeah. Oh, uh, Petrie's wearing 46, which makes me very happy. That's what Dan wore for the Tigers. So that's Pretty kind cool. of a, a cool thing. Um, his introductory press conference went well, just kind of said, cool to be home. Nothing really crazy, but yeah, it's pretty much it. All right, cool. Good to hear. Uh, this episode is brought to you by FanDuel, by the way, official sports book of lockdown, make every moment more visit fanduel.com slash lockdown today to get started. Scotty, let's dive right into our conversation. We'll start with Lucas Raymond and the central, the central point of our conversation with him is will Raymond take that step forward this year? Uh, the season he had last year was a step back from his rookie season where he finished fourth in the Calder voting 45 points with the Detroit Red Wings, which I think was still good for third on the team, third or fourth on the team, yep. uh, 17 goals, 28 assists was definitely a bit of a bummer to see him take that slide back in production. It seems like other teams kind of figured him out um, and they took advantage of the fact that he's a little undersized and not quite up to up to snuff strength wise, knocked him off the puck a lot. He would go through long stretches without really getting any points, and he'd go through stretches where he would score a lot. I remember there was one stretch in like November or December where he felt like he was scoring on every single power play. But, you know, it was a very hot and cold season from Lucas Raymond. At one point, he was on pace to break uh, his, his uh, I would say, rookie high, career high at that point. It sounds weird to say career high when he's only had one year in his, under his belt. Yeah, but uh, break, break his, his points. season, I guess, yeah. Yeah, and then, of course, the injury bug hit him as well, and he ended up missing uh, eight games along the way, only playing 74. But, I mean, what are we expecting out of Lucas Raymond this season? Do we think that he can take that step forward? And let me take it a step further. further. Do you think this this is a year going into the final year of his entry-level contract that he has to take that step forward? Um, yeah, so, I, I mean, I'm very much of the camp that, that this is – going to be and should be a really, really big year for Lucas Raymond. And I think a lot of people are kind of on the same boat. Um, uh, a guy that showed so much promise his rookie year didn't like lose that promise. Like he didn't look awful out there. It's not like he he wasn't creative with his shots. He, he was able to finish when he uh, was in a position to finish. The, the issue was, as you mentioned, 
uh, teams realize that he last season was incredibly easy to knock off the puck and like getting into those spots, even off puck, right? Like it's, it's one thing to, to get knocked off the puck when, when you have it on your stick and, and you know, that will kill a play and kill any momentum you have and whatnot, but it's, it's a whole different kind of conversation that he also struggled with to like not even be able to really get to your spots you want to get to off the puck either because people just push you around you know what I mean so yeah like that really really hindered him like really badly it was very very blatant and I I mean we've seen the 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 flashes and the ability and the skill to be a legitimate you know point producer and goal scorer at the NHL level but um, that's something that he needs to work on. And I, I mean, I don't have like a, you know, height and weight on Raymond on in the middle of August right now. But uh, a lot of people have said that that's like his strength is something that he's worked on a lot this offseason. Some people said he looked way bigger when he went and him and Cider visited the the Lions training camp. Oh, I yeah. Maybe I'm blind, but like he didn't look like that like much distinctly yeah. larger to me. Like he still looked like I wasn't like blown away by how much bigger he looked, but like, you know, I, I, you know, I, I'm, I think I'm in the minority in that one. So, um, uh, you know, take whatever you will. All of that is going to be just random summer news until we start seeing some games played, but that is absolutely the biggest thing that he needs to work on. And as far as the heights he can reach, I mean, I think he can be a legitimate 30 goal scorer if he can just kind of get over, I guess that issue. Like if he, he, that's something he needs to work on and, um, I, I do expect a step forward from last year. I, I really do. Now, whether that's kind of, well, the assist numbers should just go up in general because the team's better in my opinion. But as far as the goal scoring, like strictly goes, I don't know if like a big step forward from last year means just kind of sitting back where he was his rookie year, or if that means like really blowing out his, like blowing his first two years out of the water and just taking this whole new step forward and reaching, you know, a whole new height and, and kind of exceeding expectations. I'm not sure how dramatic of a step forward it'll be, but I certainly expect him to be better than last year. Yeah. I mean, if, if I'm being honest, I want him to see 60 points out of Lucas Raymond this year. Yeah. Out. I think that's fair too. I, I think 60 to 70 points is probably his ceiling to begin with at the NHL level. Some people will ride that hype train even more and say like 40 goals and 40 assists for 80 points. But like just watching him play the last couple of years, it seems he could be like a 60 point guy. Like you're thinking what 20, 25 goals, 35 assists would be perfect. Yeah. I think he's a little bit more, in my opinion, a little bit more of a playmaker than he is of a goal scorer, but he can definitely score too. He has some nice hands as well. I, I would be very pleased if he could get to 60 points that would excel or exceed rather his rookie season high. I would be thrilled at 60 points without a doubt. I my again, like you said, he's got to put on size, and that's what people were reporting is that all offseason was that was his goal. He recognized that was the biggest necessity in his game is he had to put on size. You can't you can't unfortunately like add inches to your height, right? But you can add, you know, inches to your bicep. Well, he, I mean, he's five eleven, like he's not like no, you know, he's, he's not, not short, but I don't want to make it seem like he's like Johnny Goudreau, five foot eight. He's right, not. yeah. He's like just barely undersized. He's just but... really small. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think his weight last year was listed at like 175. Like that's, you know, for for an NHL winger these days, especially one that is almost six feet tall. Like that's that's pretty that's pretty lanky for sure. Yeah. And so like he definitely has to put on the size. I and mean, if we're talking to like 
where we expect him to slot into the lineup. I think that the arrival of Alex to it kind of takes a lot of the pressure off of Lucas Raymond yeah. as well, because we we're both of the mindset that Dabrinkit's going to probably slide in right on that left wing with Dylan Larkin. And I doubt you're going to put both Lucas Raymond and Alex to on the same line together because they're both offensively gifted wingers, but don't play a hell of a lot of defense. That's another thing I'd love to see out of Lucas Raymond this season is yeah. an improvement to the defense. And I think that, a demo- I want. I don't want to say demotion because you're still playing second line. That's still pretty dang good. But if you get moved down to the second line and you're getting to play right wing or left wing, whatever you're more comfortable with on the second line with Andrew Kopp, not against not the opponent's top talent, but still getting you know quality minutes in the top six. I think that'll go a long way to one uptick his production and increase his confidence because I think that eventually Lucas Raymond is a top line winger. But I, I think that maybe starting the season on the second line, playing against, like I said, the other team's second lines would go a long way with helping him. I'm not trying to give him like an out and an excuse, but it did seem at times last season he was a little overwhelmed playing on the top line with Dylan Larkin. He had a lot of success in the first year. He, he Bertuzzi, and Larkin had a great, great chemistry, but that's because guys like Larkin and Bertuzzi would stand up for him. And I mean, I hate when Larkin would have to stand up for guys because people should be standing up for Larkin, but Larkin taking on the role of the veteran and the captain was great to see, but Bertuzzi has gone. So you got to have that line balance as well. And I think he, slotting him down there on the second line with like an Andrew Copper, JT Comfer, whoever your second line center is, and then having a David Perron on the wing or Michael Rasmussen on the wing could help uh, with Luke, Lucas Raymond's confidence and production uh, playing there on line number two. Yeah, I, I well, I, I think that honestly, that's probably the biggest conversation to maybe not like longest conversation, but the biggest question mark to have uh, with a, a conversation around Raymond in August is like, where is he going to play most of his minutes? Uh, this is a guy who since what, like two weeks into his NHL career was on the top line, right? Like mm-hmm. very early on got put on the top line and never really got knocked off it he, even last season, despite his struggles was still on the top line for for essentially the entire year. So, I mean, we're, we're talking about a, a guy who is like talented enough to do that. But, um, you know, when you first brought it up, when we first brought in to bring it, you had said something about that and I wasn't really fully on board, but you know, the, the more that I think about it, the more I'm, I'm kind of like opening up to the idea of, of him just being like this season, at least like being, or, you know, start of the season, whatever, these lines are going to change a lot throughout the year. We, we've talked about that already. Um, but I, it really, I, I'm a lot more, uh, not open cause like my openness to it doesn't matter, but like, I, I'm a lot more understanding of the logic, I guess now than I, than I was then. Like, I, I think, uh, if he can take that big step forward and, and really be a, a goal scorer, having a top line of, of Larkin into Brinkett and then really like whoever you want to put on the other wing and then having, you know, that solid center whoever ends up being the 2c and another solid goal score there in raymond i think would definitely spread it out a little bit more and, and raymond can still get power play opportunities and whatever you want him to do so yeah i i think that that is the conversation i don't know if he stays there all 82 games um but you know as it stands in august we'll see when preseason comes along and whatnot we'll see what lines you're kind of rolling with but as it stands right now, that's that's relatively understanding for sure. And, and yeah, to, to answer my own question too, because I don't think I actually even did. I posed it to you, but I didn't ask answer it myself. I, I do think that uh, Larkin Raymond has to take a step forward this this year. Yeah. 
you know, it can't be another 45 point season. You spent the fourth overall pick on this kid. Like you expect great things from him and I will defend him. I don't, even if he has another down, down year and it's like 50 points again, I'm not going to give up on him, but maybe it will shift my expectations of him a little bit. Regardless, he's an obviously an NHL caliber player, but I want him to be that 60 to 70 point guy at base level. Like that's where I want his floor to be is in that 60 to 70 point range. So I I need to see improvement out of him for one last. I know we got to get to break here. One last stat um, before we, we switch topics. This was really fascinating to me. Uh, Raymond in his rookie year, had 30 points at home and 27 points on the road, right? Pretty even split. Last season, he had 38 games at home and 36 on the road. So pretty close, pretty much even as far as games played goes. He had 13 of his 17 goals at home and 30 points in 38 games at home. Not bad, right? Not bad at all. On the road in 36 games, he had four goals and 15 points. And like some of that honestly has to do with the physicality, just going on the road that that can sometimes be an important thing. But um, that is certainly something that that he need, be more effective on the road. And that's something the whole team kind of needs to get better at. We talked yeah. about that earlier in the offseason, um, but it's definitely something that kind of jumped out the page with me as well. Yeah. So end of the conversation with Lucas Raymond, top six forward has to we have to see some uh, we have to see a step forward with him this year. That's, yeah, that's where it's at. Uh, we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to move on to talking about Michael Rasmussen, somebody that I love on this Detroit Red Wings <laughs> roster. But first, I got to talk to you guys today about FanDuel. Football season is about to kick off, and FanDuel is giving you the chance to win all season long. Because right now, when you bet on a Super Bowl winner, you can get bonus bets every time they win in the regular season. Just pick any team to win the Super Bowl, and you'll get bonus bets for every victory. You can use bonus bets on spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. So visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn and start earning bonus bets with America's number one sportsbook. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. What's up, guys? Trey Matthews of Locked On Devils here, and let me tell you about Discover Debit Cash Back. Wings for the game? Boom, cash back. New lucky jersey? Boom, cash back. Even a last-minute ice run can score you some cash back when you use your debit card. And yes, we said debit card. With Discover Cashback Debit, everyone can earn cash back on everyday purchases. Look in sports, it's hard to predict who's taking the W, but you know what's a guaranteed win? Discover Cashback Debit. Oh, and did I mention there are no fees, period? I'm telling you, this one is a real game-changer. Check out transaction eligibility and terms at discover.com Flash cashback debit, Discover Bank member FDIC. Segment two, Lockdown Red Wings podcast. Scotty and I are going to move over to talking about Michael Rasmussen. Michael Rasmussen this past year had a career year in just 56 games played. He broke his career high in points, which was set the year prior. Uh, in 21-22, he had 27 points in 80 games. This past year, in 22-23, he had 29 points in 56 games, kind of asserted himself, Scotty, in my opinion, as an invaluable member of the winging co- the winger core on pretty much anywhere you slot him in the lineup. There were reports coming out of Red Wings practices that pretty much every center wanted Michael Rasmussen to play on that line with them because he was finally doing what Red Wings fans were begging him to do for a long time, which was get in the corner, battle for the puck, win those battles, use your size. And you know what? His, not to say he has like, phenomenal hands either but he's not hauling around a pair of bricks for hands 
uh, either. He had a couple of nice <laughs> net front goals that had some nice touches to him. So right. Michael Rasmussen going into a full 82 game season, hopefully, you know, coming back fully healthy is 40 points too much to ask for. Um, <laughs> I don't think that that's too much to ask for. No. Um, I mean, yeah, last year was a, was a fantastic season for Rasmussen and, and we talked I love him. yesterday. Did we talk about or do I have it two days ago? I guess mm. um, we, whenever we talked about Wallman, I guess that was Monday's episode. Um, when we had said, you know, of, of all the people on the team, Wallman may have been like the biggest success story in the organization last year. I think Rasmussen was like, he doesn't pass Wallman, but like he's darn close to in that conversation as well. And I agree. I think he went from kind of a guy that most people were shaky about and didn't really think was going to be a part of the future of the team uh, to yeah, I mean, just about 30 points in, in 55, 56 games. And I think his versatility certainly helps him a lot as well, being that if you're really desperate, you can put him at center and, and not like lose sleep over it. Or you can, you know, like you said, he will probably slot in uh, at winger uh, on opening night. And I, I think he has a lot of intangibles too, like where uh, I'm not sure he... he well, I don't know. Like, I, I, I think that if if developed, like if I mean, he's still only 24, like if he continues to develop, like I I, I don't know. I, I think that you could use his size on on special teams as well. And he could become kind of a, a usable asset in that area, too. Like, I, I, I think that this is a, a guy who very much could take another step forward. I'm, I'm totally with you. Uh, I don't. What point total did you say? 40? Yeah, so twenty he had twenty nine points in fifty six games played. He basically had a ten twenty season. Yeah, so you're so, talking like fifteen twenty five. Hold on, I'll I'll do the thing that people hate. Um, so if you prorate, oh, I love point, prorating. If you prorate his point thing. totals to eighty two games played, he comes at comes in a little over forty two and a half points. So, right. So, like, I think that's perfectly attainable, especially if he plays the caliber of the, if his play is the caliber it was last season before his injury, there's without a doubt that it's going to happen. I mean, the guy was a workhorse and he was getting rewarded for it. He was getting playing time everywhere in the lineup and every line he was on, he made better. I, he was the, I think, the seventh. If you take out the guys who played like two and three games, Giovanni Smith and Taro Hirose for the Detroit Red Wings, he was the seventh best in expected goals for relative on the team. And I mean, and if you want to whittle that down even more to guys who played like more than 30 games, so that would take out Elmer Soderblom and Austin Zarnick. He's right there. One, two, three, four. He's fifth on the team then and expected goals four percentage relative. So like on the ice, the team was better with him on the ice rather than off the ice, without a doubt. Like when it sure comes was. to, if you're just looking at pure quality shot attempts, he, the team was better with him on the ice. And that's no mistake because he plays well defensively too. He's just, he has turned himself also, From- not to like just keep fueling the fire here, but no, keep he- fueling my fire, baby. <laughs> he had in almost 400 faceoff attempts last year. He won 51% of them. Yeah. That's something that this team for the last two years has also very much made a point to improve on and like pretty desperately needed at times is a consistent like person in the faceoff circle and. 
again, like not that he's going to take as many face-off attempts as like Larkin or Cop or anything, but like 400's a very sizable amount. That's, you know, average 15 minutes of ice time. Like I, I really, I think his versatility, he kind of gives you somewhat of a Swiss army knife type of talent where he can be the physical presence you need. He can plug up the middle. He can be wreak havoc in front of the net. He can go to the corners outside. Like this is, I, I think he can be a really, really valuable uh, bottom six or middle, middle six forward on uh on a good hockey team well so we're in agreement that like 40 to 45 points isn't a reasonable ask for michael Rasmussen. no I, yeah, especially given the pace he was, he was gonna get last year okay so then let's <laughs> move on to the next question where in the lineup does he slot most of the time we know we talked about he's a swiss army and go anywhere in the lineup but like where should he be because it's hard to tell i mean we talked about how he can play center when the team needs him to play center and every single center wants him on the wing for them because he helps with his size he just gets the puck from the other team and then helps set up the other players. Like I'm not going to go as far as saying he should be on the top line. I say it as a joke. I do, but I mean, but middle six, <laughs> but middle six wingers, I, I don't think that that's too far out of the realm of possibilities. He's definitely not fourth line caliber player with, especially with how well he was playing last year, but there's so much competition on the wing uh, this, this upcoming season. that's going to be hard to slot him in. I mean, obviously injuries will happen and he'll find his place, but like second and third line, I think are good places for him. I'd love to see him on the second line. I just don't see how he can with guys like Daniel Sprong and David Perron, who are already going to be competing for like line two t- playing time. It's it's going to be hard to get him in there, but he, not to say he doesn't deserve it. I think that middle six is a lock. I, I don't think there's any way... He's going to be on the fourth line on opening night. And I mean, currently right now, I I don't see him as a top liner either. I I think that this is a, this is a lock to be in the middle six. And and you do bring up a point where like a lot of people want to play with him. He brings that size. Like I, I, not that this is going to be like a regular thing, but it wouldn't shock me if at some point throughout the season, whether, you know, injuries hit the team or like, do we get a little thinner for whatever reason? if he did get reps at the top line at some point. Um, But I I think on a nightly basis, he's, I still lean third. Like I still lean third line. I think that that's like a safe kind of place to put him in again in the middle of August. (laughs) I I think that that's a, that's a safe place to, to log him in. Um, But I mean, to your point, there's a lot of winger competition on, on the team this year. And, and I think that, if we were to, and maybe we do something like this when we get closer to camp, but like if we were to rank the people whose preseason performance mattered the most in terms of like where they're going to slot into the lineup, I think Rasmussen's probably up there. Absolutely. You know what I mean? Like I think if he has a really good preseason, you're talking about a guy who who could, you know, find himself on the maybe even second line. But I, I think third is probably a safe bet for now. Some good forward depth. It's good problems to have. I'm loving what I'm hearing. Uh, We're going to take another quick break, and when we come back, we're going to finish up the conversation with Olimata. So stay tuned to Lockdown Red Wings. Have you ever seen an NHL player get off a team bus and think to yourself, gosh, I wish I could dress that nice? Well, with Indochino, you can. Indochino makes fully customized suits that don't require a trip to the tailor to get that perfect fit. Recently, I was shopping for a new dress shirt for my upcoming wedding, and when I decided to go with the Hyde Herringbone shirt, I was blown away at all the customization options I had. 
I could change the type of collar, cuffs, and even decide whether or not I wanted a chest pocket, all while being incredibly affordable, especially given the quality of the product I was getting. New colors, fabrics, and outerwear styles are added regularly too, so it's easy to create your next look. Level up your game with Indochino. Go to Indochino.com and use code NHL to get 10% off any purchase of $399 or more. That's 10% off at INDOCHINO.com with code NHL. Segment three, Lockdown Red Wings podcast. We're talking about player previews, moving on to Olimata. One thing I did want to make note of, too, uh, when we were talking about Lucas Raymond, because we haven't spent enough time on Lucas Raymond already. Uh, but when you talk about expected goals, four percentage and expected goals, four percentage relative, Lucas Raymond was uh, fourth worst on the team relative. Like, that's how bad his yeah. puck possession skills and his defense were last year. That And he was, for to give, I guess, credit where credit's due. I don't think that's necessarily what I'm trying to say, but like he was pretty snake bitten for a while there. He had a lot of opportunities and just the puck was not finding the way to the back of the net for him. Um, But there, there was a lot of work to be done on both sides of the ice for Lucas Raymond. And hopefully that can be fixed this off season. Not to say not again, I'm very optimistic about his future. I think 60 to 70 points, regular 60 to 70 points range. It can be right where he is almost every single year. If he can become the Lucas Raymond we need him to be. Um, but I digress. Let's move on to Olimata. Scotty, Olimata this past year, the Detroit Red Wings. Huh? Pretty good, really strong first half of the year for the guy who was signed to a, what, uh, just a one-year uh, deal with the Detroit Red Wings at the time. He ended up putting up 23 points in 78 games played, which is like pretty close to his career highs. I think his career high in the that he's hit a couple times now in his career was 29 points. And so he at 28 years old comes to Detroit and in 78 games played because he missed a few because he had mono, uh, had 23 points and six goals and 17 assists. And that's a really good production. Not that production is a good measuring stick for defensemen, but that's pretty good production. When you do take into account, he is a defensive defenseman first. He was playing so well through the first half of the year that Steve Eisman thought it warranted a contract extension. And he's here for another two years that starting this year with $3 million cap hits. Scotty Olimata, like, do you still see him as like an everyday body? Where do you see him sliding in the lineup? Do you see him maybe as a seventh D-man candidate? Like, what are your thoughts? Because I know for me, and I'll let you go first, but I know for me, Scotty, my thoughts on Olimata are kind of mixed, not mixed on him, but just with the defensive situation in general, it's, it's hard to predict. Yeah, well, we we just had this conversation on the blue line as a whole on Wednesday, right? And then just how difficult of a conversation this becomes. Uh, I, I think that Mata is certainly not like a lock to play, you know, 80 plus games this season. Like he, he's what he played 78 last year. I would be pretty shocked if he played in 78 games again. Uh, but I still fully expect him to get a lot of playing time as well. I do think that the acquisition of Petrie maybe may, like that. I think before that, there might have been a world where he was going to get some looks at on the second pair, maybe not like super consistently or whatnot. But I think that that was uh, something that was was rather feasible. Whereas now, I I think that. Um, I don't know. I, I guess I think that he's either going to be the third pair left side or he, he's going to be the seventh D man. But uh, th- that's a that's a really solid 
like floor of a blue line, right? Like where Oli Mata, you're you're having conversations about Oli Mata being your seventh D man on a night to night basis. Like that's that's a that, that's a, a much deeper defensive group than we have had in years and years and years. So uh, it's it's no knock on him. It's the same conversation we've had with a lot of other people on this team. Uh, Fabry, I know we had the same conversation with Peron even a little bit. Like. It's just the the fact that the team's getting better, and like when these guys first came on, they they had bigger roles than they're going to have this season, and um, that's again like not not a knock on them or a bad thing for the organization. It's a great sign. As far as him, the player, yeah, he had a really good first half. He got the extension. He wasn't quite as good in the second half, but uh, I, I think that he certainly proved that he can still be a solid left side left side guy for this team. I I, I don't expect. Yeah, I, I guess that's kind of it. Like, I, I just I don't expect him to to be in the lineup every night, but I don't expect him to play like 15 games this year either. I, I just I think that there's going to be a lot of lineup shuffling uh, on this blue line, especially, but really the whole roster uh, the entire season. Yeah, I mean, Olimata played his way into a new contract and then March hit. And, and I know we tighten, we always bring up plus minus and we always say, we don't like to use it as a barometer for skill, but in 15 games played in March last year, he was a minus 14. That was the worst that he was in any given month by far. The worst he was before that was minus three in January. So Olimata kind of just fell apart in the month of March. And that was a couple months after his mononucleosis. So you can't really even say that, Oh, he's still recovering. So, I, I, my feelings on Olimata are mixed because the first half, I was really excited for the signing. I thought it was low key, a really strong signing because he's a defensive defenseman. And that was something this Detroit Red Wings team really needed early in the season. He played as high as second pair and he looked really good with Philip Peronik for a, a quite some time. And then he just hit a rough patch and kind of fizzled out. And so he's here for the next two years, but I do think Scotty that he is a candidate for the sixth slash seventh D-man role. I don't think he's like your bona fide seventh D-man because I do think there's value to him on the penalty kill. I do think there's yeah. value to him, you know, as a defensive defenseman. But you look at the other guys in that defensive core. I mean, Jeff Petrie, despite his age being 35, going on 36, he's still got some stuff left on the tank. He's still a pretty um, capable two-way defenseman, a little bit slightly more offensively gifted than defensively, but he's a capable two-way defenseman. I mean, Ben Sherratt, I think is the other guy that in my book, that would be the candidate for the sixth slash seventh D-man role, despite his paycheck. Um, And I think Justin Hall is going to be better than people think. We've talked about Justin Hall plenty at this point. I think he kind of got the scapegoat mentality or scapegoat treatment in Toronto. But I I think that Olimata is going to be one of those guys who maybe plays 40, 50, maybe 60 games, depending on how the D shakes out. Um, But that's not necessarily to say that he's bad. He's just now has become the odd man out. That's not the right word either, because it's going to be a rotation. It's going to be a rotation like it was last year. You know, this defensive core is competitive enough, especially once Edmondson gets healthy. And with guys breathing down their necks, like Johansson and uh, Wallander down there in the AHL, like it's going to be a competitive defensive locker room. It might not be the best defensive locker room, the best defensive core, but it's going to be competitive and better than it was last year. And so because it's better than it was last year, you're looking at a guy that was playing second pair of minutes last year to maybe not playing, uh, you know, not at all, but, you know, on any given night could be a candidate for a healthy scratch. And that's a good thing to have. I'm not trying to say Olimata fell off 
because Olimata is Olimata. We know what we're getting out of him. He's going to be the same player he was last year. It's just that the locker room is going to be far more competitive. So maybe he'll be the sixth or seventh D-man. He'll play, I don't think, any higher than third pair, even if he becomes an everyday D. I still like him, and I still like him as an option because it's a definite improvement over Robert Haig or Jordan Osterley or Gustav Lindstrom. I'm just not so sold on him being an 80-game-played 80, uh, 80 guy anymore. And like I said, that's a good problem to have. It's not a knock on him. It's a sign of an improved locker room. For sure. Yeah. No, I mean, you you pretty much shared all the sentiments I did. Like, I, I, I'm i pretty lockstep with you. Um, and, and the point you made in there where, like, we know what we're going to get out of him is very true. Like, the, no one's sitting around like, oh, like, Olimata breakout. But nobody's like, oh, is he going to, like, fall off a cliff either? Like, we're very aware of what we're getting with him and and the floor is is fine given his role it's good given his role so yeah. um yeah I, I i think it's it's i'll i'll be very interested in seeing how much playing time he gets early on and then how much it's going to become performance based as we get a couple of months into the season yeah spot on scotty um do you got any final thoughts as we head into the the weekend um I don't think so, man. I'm I'm just I'm super 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 pumped for hockey. Like the other day, when was it? Tuesday this week? I guess today too, as we're recording this. But like, it was just a little cold, and I, I put a sweatshirt on for the first time in like three months, four months, and I was like, I'm I'm ready to watch some wings hockey, man. I'm so pumped for this season, as as I know a lot of other people are. We ball as well. We ball as well. I'm trying to look too, like what players have we covered already, or have haven't we covered rather? I know we well, got we still got Debrinket. We got Debrinket, JT Comfer, Daniel Sprong, uh, Jonathan Bergren on the forward core. We still have, got we some, haven't have we done Sherrod and Ghostespair? Yeah, we haven't done Ben Sherrod or Ghostespair yet, right? No, no, we haven't done them yet. Uh, we do we. We'll talk about whether or not we want to do Jeff Petrie because we kind of just did Jeff Petrie yeah, in a for way. Sure. Uh, so we only, only have a couple more defensemen left. And then obviously James Reimer. So not a lot left. Only a few more episodes of these player previews. And then we're going to have to come up with more creative ideas and what to bring you guys. Well, then, I mean, by the end of that, there's still quite a few names left. By the end of that, I think camp will be starting that was, out. That was the goal, right? Carry us through the month of August, sure get us was. into the training camp and preseason. We'll still do like a uh, season standings prediction. With oh, yeah, the, of course. We'll do all like the last preseason year. stuff for sure. Yeah. And that'll all be fun. And then we'll start getting like training camp and prospects tournament and news like that. And then we'll be right back into the season. Can't wait. Can't wait. So we'll be back with a new episode for you guys on Monday. Stay tuned. Same time, same place. It's your team every day. Every day. Gil Martin here, host of the Locked On NHL podcast. Join me every Monday for the three biggest stories from across the NHL, including how newly traded players are fitting in around the league. Check out the Locked On NHL podcast every Monday, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts.